Welcome to Lady T Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Tamika, and I'm bringing you stories of triumph and inspiration. Today's guest is a bachelor's prepared theologian in urban ministry and, <laughs> and is in the real estate industry as a certified home inspector. Please welcome the lovely Ava Westfield. Hi, Ava. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Well, you know, thank you for doing this podcast. I just wonder, you know, what you got going on? What's up and coming? Well, it's just the day-to-day grind right now, still just building a business, but I'm I'm definitely looking forward to a break. My family and I, we take an annual trip to Ocean City, Maryland, like an annual thing. It's been long-standing for probably about the past 10 years or so. Okay. That's in the next two weeks. I am really looking forward to just relaxing and doing nothing. With a funnel cake in my mouth. <laughs> funnel cake is <laughs> awesome. what I need right now. Let yes. me tell you, funnel cake is all that, right? It is, yeah. So, what are some so of I the things that. that you and your family do when you get there? Like, what are your activities? Just cut up. We just, we just really, because we're we're actually from different areas. So, I have one sister that lives as far as Charlotte, North Carolina, and I have seven sisters. So I have one that lives, you know, kind of far. The rest of us live pretty local, but we all are like, you know, just living separate lives. Like we talk on the phone, but we don't see each other in person that much. So this is just like an opportunity for the sisters to get together along with my parents and a few of the nieces and nephews to just really just connect. You know? So this is just that. something that we always look forward to. We just have a ball together. I love that, you know, just yeah. connecting with your family during a positive time because, you know, sometimes families only get together when something bad happens. So Exactly. It's yes. really good that you guys have something, fo- something positive to focus on. It's awesome. Yeah, so looking forward to it. Okay, and how long will you be on vacation? My toes and I'm saying, <laughs> toes and I'm saying. <laughs> it's just a, a week. A week will be. Okay. I probably won't be able to do a week, but um, probably about five days. So I'm just okay. uh, any time away is, is great right now. Even if it's just a weekend, I'd have been happy for it. So yeah, but yeah, about five days. That's awesome. That's so awesome. You're a home inspector, and you know I think this is a really great opportunity for you to educate us and first tell us. How did you come to want to be a home inspector? All right. So I always tell people, like, brace, brace yourself because there's a little story behind it. But it's really not that long, like, how I became an actual home inspector. It, it kind of goes right back to my sisters because my eldest sister, she was a real estate broker for, like, 20 years. And I came out of, out of Penn State where I think it might have been a summer that I was off. You know, you take the summers off when you're in college. So it was a summer off from Penn State. I just was working in her office helping her with some of the real estate transactions and writing up transactions for her. This was a time when the home inspectors that she was using, they weren't, you know, we weren't quite email ready, you know, back in the, in the late 90s. So they would actually bring the home inspection reports into the office. And when they would bring the inspection reports into the office, you know, I would give them to, to my sister who would then, you know, do whatever she needed to do with it as far as her clients were concerned. But then they would just go into a file cabinet after a while. And so during my downtime, I would look at the home inspection reports because I always had kind of like a secret love for architecture. Like when my 
when I was a kid, my dad would take me and my niece and we would drive all around different neighborhoods and more, more like the like the, the rich neighborhoods and yeah. look at the different big houses. And I always had like a love for houses. I just didn't really know, you know, if it, if it was anything like something that I could actually do about my love or was it just something that I was just going to, you know, have a love for him. But when I actually would look at the report, I was so enamored by what I was seeing in the reports that when the home inspectors would come and bring more reports, I would ask questions about the reports that I saw, you know, previously, maybe from the previous week or previous two weeks. And after doing that a couple of times, one inspector in particular, you know, basically said to me, hey, you obviously don't belong behind this desk. You know, you obviously need to go with me. I want to ride along and see what it is that I do firsthand. You know, that way you can see for yourself because you constantly ask some questions. You obviously have a desire to learn more about industry, but I just want you to come with me. So the very next week, I was with him at an inspection that he was doing for a person purchasing a home. He said, I'm not going to teach you anything, but I just want you to just write down just with your natural eye what what you can pick out that's wrong with this house. And so I was just writing down, you know, things that I saw. At the end of the inspection, he asked me to give, you know, my note to him. And when he looked at my note, it was like he had, he like stumbled back on the wall and he's like, wait a minute what? Like, you you never did this before? And I was like, no. He's like, this is insane. He was like, because you you obviously have a natural eye for what it is that I do. He was like, because a lot of your notes are things that would be in my home inspection report. And I was like, completely surprised. The only part that it took me a bit to get over was at the end of the inspection, he then goes to his truck, he pulls the ladder off the truck, and he puts the ladder up against the house. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to go up. I want you to hold the ladder. And then after that, I want you to go up behind me. Well, like, what? <laughs> you want me to do what? And he's like, yeah, no, we got we to gotta inspect the roof, too, because, you know, the roof is, if you have a bad roof, then you got a bad house. So wait. And I can remember. So wait, uh-huh. big tree. <laughs> um, you or anyone, so home inspectors get on the roof and check the houses and do all of the yes, nitty-gritty. Ma'am. Wow, it's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Okay. He sounds like well, a great mentor, so... He was. That ladder shook like crazy that first day, though. I mean, probably that first month. That ladder shook so bad, though, because it, it's not so much that I have a fear of height, but I got a fear of falling. And I just, I've never been on a roof, you know, prior to that day. And he was like, listen, he was like, you know, I think that you're great. I think that you, you probably are a natural at this, but if you can't get past this part right here, you can't be a home inspector. And so, like, for like a whole summer, we just did it over and over and over again. We would put the ladder up against the house, his house. We just practiced at his house. Put the ladder against the house. I would just go up and down, up and down the ladder until I finally got comfortable with it. You know, and here I am almost 13 years later. So, wow. yeah, so this is pretty amazing. I mean, 13 years that I've actually been in the industry, but that was maybe like 1999 or so that I first started doing it. Are you in touch with this person still? He actually passed away. Um, his name is Hassani, Hassani Bakari. He passed away in I believe, 2013, 2012, 2013 um, in Hawaii, a tragic drowning accident. And uh, I think about him often. He was my very, very first home inspection mentor. You sound um, amazing. Even just his story, just how he said things to you. You know, he spoke from a place of of giving you life instead of criticism to shoot you down. So that's awesome. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yep. Well, it took a while to finally figure out that that was what I wanted to do. But once I did, you know, kind of took off. So little lumps and bumps along along the way, but finally on track. So I'm happy about that. 
So you learned how to be a home inspector. And once you became a full-fledged home inspector, you know, how did that fit for your life? So how did it fit for my life? Yes. Well, it, it kind of didn't really happen all at once. It, it was a lot of different roadblocks to actually becoming a certified like residential home inspector. So I started off as his apprentice So you, in the state of Pennsylvania. At that time, you had to do with 250 inspections under a certified inspector. I didn't get to 250 because of his, his incident. So, you know, around 2006, 2007, there was a housing slump, you know, where not a lot of houses were being bought and sold. So I diversified and switched over to commercial insurance inspections. So just doing commercial buildings for the insurance industry. I did that for a number of years. Then I actually got hired by um, as a contract employee for FEMA. And I worked for FEMA for two deployments uh, doing like disaster related inspection. So it, it kind of just was like one thing after the other, after the other, you know, that kind of kept coming up in between, um, mainly with my health. So yeah, basically just kind of dealt with that and then kind of went back to work and then dealt with, you know, dealt with maybe another setback and then went back to work. So, you know, it's just been kind of different, different types of inspections, but all still dealing with buildings. So I actually didn't get certified as a home inspector until, until 2017. I actually um, found another mentor who mentored me through, you know, all the inspections that I needed for full certification. So you and I previously spoke about just, I even had questions. Personally, I haven't bought a home. I've always been skeptical buying a home. I don't know why. I just always have. For me, for me, I have my reasons, but, um, and Uh this is why I don't know a lot about the home inspector process. So, I mean, I have seen a few in action, but you know, for the most part, you seem to be very enthusiastic about it. You enjoy what you do. You love it. You know, despite all the things that you've been through, all your trials and tribulations that you've been through, you stayed the course and you were consistent with it. So I would definitely would like for you to elaborate on that. Actually, it, it goes back to the late 90s. Again, I was a student at Penn State. I took a trip with my mom and my aunts. We, we went on a cruise and we had visited a couple of Caribbean countries. I had a ball, you know, and I came back after this seven-day trip. And I was just like sick as a dog. And nobody could really understand because everybody else was fine. And it's like we all ate at the same place, you know, kind of went in the same direction. It was kind of weird that I was the one that wasn't well and everybody else fine. You know, it took me to the doctor, you know, get her checked out, try to figure out what's going on. Every possible test that they could have given me, they, they gave me. We're talking about like a year of, a year or so of testing because it was like they tested me and then they diagnosed me with something and gave me medicine to treat that. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, after maybe like a month or two, that's not working. So we got to test you, you know, give you a different type of test. Then they would diagnose me with something else. Then they would give me medicine to treat that. And it was just like this ongoing thing until finally my primary care doctor was like, no, I'm just going to switch, you know, your doctor like to a different GI doctor. And I want you to get checked out, you know, by, by this person. So as soon as I went in, doctor was like, listen, we're not going to do any type of testing other than a colonoscopy. That's going to tell us everything we need to know. So when they did that, it was determined that I had something called Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease affects the intestinal part of the body. Yeah. So when I was diagnosed, it was like, okay, I never heard of this before. Out of all the other things that they tried to put on me that they said I had, I could have kind of dealt with that. But when I started looking up Crohn's disease, I'm like, wait a minute. It was like, these, it affects the white Jewish community. And I'm like, I'm neither white nor Jew. So why in the world do I have that? Why you? Yeah. Yeah, I started doing a whole lot of research and just trying to figure out, you know, now that I have a name for this thing, 
what does the rest of my life look like? And so kind of immediately I started just being sick all the time to the point where I literally had to just drop out of, out of college. And that's how I started actually working at my sister's um, real estate business because I needed money. You know, I needed to be able to sustain myself, even though I was still living at home with my parents. I didn't want to just sit around and just feel sorry for myself. Right. And I was in and out of the hospitals. I mean, we're talking about in and out of the hospital four, five, six times a year, sometimes more, taking different medications not being able to go into a public place that was like outside of my home without first either calling and asking or doing some type of research to find out where every bathroom was in this place, just so I would have some knowledge of that. In the event the moment hit, I needed to be in that bathroom quickly. Right. And so that was that was kind of my life. No, not kind of. That was my life. We're, we're talking 14 and a half, 15 years. Did you have any body image issues? Did you feel uncomfortable? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I still do. Um, yeah, so basically with Crohn's, you, you know, because everything is making this quick exodus, you know, out your body, right. I did not absorb foods very well. And so as a result, I was very, very undernourished and I was very, very small. At my lowest, I was 98 pounds. Wow. So I was fitting into the clothes that I wore in high school. And I'm in my 20s. And even in my 30s, I'm still fitting in high school clothes that, you know, some some of the clothes I might have still had and was trying to hold on to like, oh, I'm going to give this away yet. <laughs> I can still fit this. No, good and well, I couldn't fit it when I first got sick. But when I was really, really in the thick of that disease. Oh, yeah. I was fitting back into those dresses and them little booty shorts. Yes, I sure was. And not because I wanted to, but because I was that size. So you would drop the weight and then. Whenever you would have what's called a flare-up, which is when the disease would become more active, you would normally be put on steroids. So they'll give you steroids, but then the steroids will blow you up, but it's mostly water weight, but now you are bigger. You know, so it's like I went from, you know, 100 pounds to 150 pounds in a matter of a month because I'm eating everything that's not nailed down, number one, because it makes you crazy hungry. And then when you have to wean off the steroids, because you can't be on them forever, so they make you wean down. And as soon as you start weaning down, you start feeling sick again. So that 50 pounds that I put on now, I'm back down to 100. Wow. So I was like on a, a roller coaster with my weight for years to the point where I still, I still have some body issues. You know what I mean? It's like I'm 40 years old. I kind of need to be comfortable with my own skin now, but not quite there. So. Well, you've been through yeah. years of that. So I'm quite sure, you know, unfortunately, it's going to take maybe some more time. Yeah, for sure. Wow. For sure. So, I think I love myself more now than I used to. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about but that? it's literally been times when I wanted to end my life, you know, where I wanted to end my life because Crohn's is just that bad. You know, it's, it, it's like you take, you know, a person without Crohn's and take like their absolute worst stomach ache and multiply it, you know, three or four times. That was my everyday, you know, you take pain medicine to try to get rid of it. And then you be, I became addicted to painkillers. Like I was going through all kinds of stuff. You name it, I went through it. That's, well, a, that's quite a bit of suffering that you did. It is. Wow. It is. And I have, I have one other family member that has Crohn's disease. He's my nephew. So it's my sister's son. And he's actually had it for about 25 years. And he's the only other person in this, well, at the time, 
I've since met other people just by way of the, of the community, uh, like mostly online and through like Facebook and different channels like that. But at the time, he was the only other person that I knew that had Crohn's disease and could actually relate to what I was going through. Because it's like people could say, oh, I feel for you. I feel bad. Or I know exactly what you're going through. No, you don't. <laughs> you really, really don't. Yeah. Now it's you. But I always felt. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I always felt like we had like a certain kinship where we knew exactly exactly what the other was going through. So that was a little a little bit helpful. Now, was his as severe as yours? Yes. Yes, it was. Or yes, it is. I've only ever yeah. two people in my life who, who told me that they had Crohn's disease. That's really? Like, yeah. But one is, I want to say, a friend from, you know, my childhood. And another was a coworker. And I know with hmm. the coworker, you know, I like to research stuff. And for some reason, I, I don't know. I just went to the store and they had the aloe vera juice. Aloe vera mm-hmm. juice. Um, it's like really thick. And I used to get her like the mango time, you know, the mango version of it. And she said when she drank it, it made her feel better. Definitely. I didn't understand the mechanism behind why it, it helped her because I really didn't know a lot about Crohn's. And I think even now that I'm a nurse and I've been a nurse for years at this point, you know, I still am not 100% well-versed in caring for someone with Crohn's. So this Hmm. is very eye-opening for me. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I think aloe vera juice is an an anti-inflammatory. That's why you can, like, put it on, like, put aloe, I think aloe, like aloe on, like, a boomerang. You know, I think think it has, like, anti-inflammatory properties, so we drink it, because I drank it also, and it helped. But there's a lot of different facets to it, and it affects different people. It affects people differently, you know? One girl I knew, like I said, the girl that I did know, she... Every now and then, would have to go in the hospital and get on TPN, which is total parental nutrition. Uh-huh. So therefore, they and just explaining it for the audience, they basically gave her nutrition through her IV. She wasn't allowed to eat anything. Yes. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. I actually was on TPN for an entire year. Really. An entire year. Yeah, I had a pick line in my arm, so it was like a permanent catheter. Um, so I had this the pick line in my arm, my right arm. And during the evening, I would self-infuse using a, um, a TPN pump. And so you're talking about a 12-hour period. So if I went to bed at 10 o'clock, that pump was going to run until 10 o'clock the next morning. I gained a significant amount of weight. That was actually my idea because I'm, I'm telling you, I was researching everything about this disease. Like I probably knew more than, <laughs> I felt like I knew more than the doctors knew. I would go in and be like, you know what? I was researching this and I was researching that. Can we try this? And they were like, oh, okay. They would laugh yeah. at me, but they would always kind of, you know, not always, but sometimes they would give in to the things that I wanted to try. If some things worked. Some things didn't, but TPN actually put me in remission for about six months. Wow. Now, did you completely stop eating when you were on it, or did you eat a little bit? I ate a little bit. Okay. Yeah, because I would wake up, you know, after that 12-hour infusing period, feeling pretty full, you know, so I would just kind of nibble throughout the day, but I I gained weight, and it it decreased the symptoms about 80%. Yeah, about um, 80 to 100%, 100% some days. I'll wake up feeling like a million bucks, a million bucks ready to go out and inspect some houses. So it all worked out with the, with the TPN. But I actually got a blood clot in that arm. And that's the reason why we had to stop it. And you didn't restart it after that? They actually put a, t- put a, um, a pick in my other arm, like maybe three days later, mm-hmm. a, a, a clot developed in that arm. And they were like, nope, we got to stop yeah, it. That's it. It's funny how it lasted for a whole year in one arm. 
only a couple of days in the other. So once I got two blood clots, they were like, no, apparently your body is like starting to reject this. So yeah, they stopped it. And that's when uh, the symptoms came, came right back. So, right back. so now how are you now? You know, like, how do you feel now? Right now, I am jumping off the walls. Like, wow. <laughs> I got, like, the energy of an 18-year-old and just, just jumping off the walls and climbing ladders to the roof and living my best life over here. <laughs> yeah. My friends call me, call me Spider-Woman, so the ones in the industry, because it's like, I'm, I'm not afraid of ladders no more, so I'm, I'm up and down on those, on those roofs. But, yeah, to answer your question, I feel great. I feel great. That's great. I mean, you got your life back, you know? I did, yes. I'm, I've been Crohn's free now for this coming September makes six years. Wow. You know, but I still have a lot of days where I just, I don't know, just sit and really, really think about who I once was. Because, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like a totally different person now. So who I once was, you know, being sick, being depressed, being, um, you know, feeling lonely, like no one understood who, you know, who I am now. It's just like a, a complete transformation. But um, yeah, I had my colon removed uh, about six years ago. Yeah. I no longer have colon. How was that? How do you feel with that? Well, I'm 100% okay with the idea of not having Crohn's anymore because it was my absolute worst enemy. But I still feel like it helped develop the character and it helped develop my personality and helped me develop exactly who I would become in life because there was a time when you could literally look at me funny and I would cry. I was very, 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 very sensitive. And I wanted everybody to like, (laughs) I was that person. After having Crohn's and after fighting what was quite possibly Z's, worst battle of my life it's not like I feel like I'm just invincible now but I've built a whole lot more skin <laughs> and not only my that, skin is a lot thicker and not only that you have a greater you know appreciation because anytime you know that people experience um you know some kind of life altering thing you know with their health and then once they get better it's like they tend to you know, appreciate their life even more. So and so true. therefore you're going to live your best life. You're going to shout. To right. You're going to, you're going to do everything that you can do because you knew that there was a time where you couldn't. That is so true. Yeah. yeah in fact, um, so I said the, the surgery was back in 2013, September 6th, September 9th. I woke up and I was trying to understand like why, you know, like the incision didn't didn't look right to me. I didn't feel right. Something was just wrong. Like my like the, so let, let me backtrack. September the sixth I had the surgery. September the seventh, everybody and their mamas was in my, my hospital room visiting me. As I said, I have a huge family. You know, I was married at the time. My ex husband's family was there. Everybody was there. And I'm up, I'm laughing. Every time I had some pain, all I do was just push a button and they would inject pain medicine and some some IV. I was good the next day. They said the surgery went well. The following day after that, I was good. The day after that, which was uh, Monday, I believe, woke up just feeling off. I called my mom. My mom's a pastor. Mm-hmm. I called my mom and um, telling her what's going on with me. And she prayed with me. And she said, listen, I'm going to be up there in about two hours because I don't like the way you're sounding. So she came up. And when she got there, I rang the bell for the nurse to... Um, to help me use, uh, they had like a bedside commode because I wasn't quite 
strong enough yet to just be going to, to the bathroom like all the way, you know, across the room. Like, right next to the bed, just top off side of the bed and go to the bathroom. Yeah. So I did that. And when I did that, I mean, the nurse came in, she helped me with that. And as soon as I got to the bedside commode, everything went black. I completely lost consciousness. They said that I was unconscious for, for, for a matter of, I think, I don't, I think it was just a matter of like seconds, but still seconds seems like forever when your mom is standing right there, you got doctors and nurses and every hospital personnel around your bed trying to revive you. And when I came back to, I had to be um, taken to ICU because they said my hemoglobin dropped down to four. I had to have multiple blood transfusions and I was in the ICU unconscious for I think maybe a matter of like five or six hours. Not unconscious, like dead, but I was like breathing. I had a heartbeat, but I was not like, Alert. I didn't have enough strength to open my eyes to engage yeah. or anything like that. You're a nurse. So I know you understand that. Yeah. Um, so I still have flashbacks to that day when that happened because it was so weird how things were going really well after the surgery and then not so well that quickly, you know, just, that's just how precious life is so that it can be snuffed out just that quickly. Even when you think everything is, is sweet, you know, everything is, is, is perfect. The surgery went good. I'm, I'm good. No, not so good. So I was actually in ICU for a week, um, I can remember the doctor coming into the room telling me they thought I was done. Like, I was gone. You say, now, you can't be messing up my reputation like that, trying to make me laugh, of course. But they thought that that was it for me. They and thought so you were going to die? They thought that I was going to die. Why? They developed, I, I developed a blood clot on my liver. You know, as I said, I had that, that incident where, where I, I, I passed out. They, they, thought it, they thought it was over for me. Even uh, the nurse that was on schedule or on, on duty, I should say, um, when I came into the ICU, she actually called back at the end of, of the night. After she had gotten off, she had been off for hours. She actually called back to check on me. Yeah. They told me the next day. She called, called back to check on me because she was so certain that I was not going to make it through the night. And so it's like after leaving out of the hospital, you know, approximately seven to nine days later, I left out of the hospital and I just had a new lease on life. Like everything was different from that point up until now, you know, and like I said, I'm a totally different person. I look at life different. I look at living different. I look at people different. Nothing will ever be the same after that. And that's why I'm grateful for the type of work that I've done you know, for, for all these years, because imagine me having a nine to five job. You're taking a week off, two weeks off, three weeks off. Nine to five jobs will fire you yeah, <laughs> with care. no questions asked. They do not care. They're like, oh, you're sick. I'm sorry. Well, we found somebody else to replace you for the flexibility of the type of work that I, that I do. Like I can make my own hours. I can still make a decent salary. It, it just was a good fit for me. It was a perfect fit for you. It was a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even looking for it, Tanika. I wasn't looking for it. I wish I had my sister's office trying to make some money. I wasn't thinking about being a home inspector. I wasn't. I've always been pretty analytical, but I was not even thinking about it. Now, now mind you, to for anybody who might be out there in, in, in radio land, podcast land, listening, I, um, I did go to home inspection school. I don't want nobody to think that I just, you know, what, took a test and all of a sudden slapping a badge on my chest and I'm a home, I'm a home inspector now. Yeah. I actually went to school for this after my, my initial mentor, you know, was like, look, you're good. You know, you're good. You're, you're made for this. 
So I actually went to home inspection school and passed home inspection school, you know, took classes with a bunch of white men. I was the only woman and the only black in that class. I did it. I finished. That was back in 2006. Took me a little while to figure out that this is definitely what I wanted to do, but 2006. I um, I took that leap and... Um, I'm not looking back. I love this job. I love meeting new people every day. I love the joy of, of looking in, a, in a, a first-time home buyer's face and seeing that they have a little anxiety about the process because it's like they're at. You know, when you buy a house, they're asking for everything. But your firstborn child, they want to know where you live, where you were, how much you made. Like, they want to know everything about yeah. The last thing you want to know is that when you finally found what you think is your dream house, you don't want to hear that home inspector come in and tell you, oh, no, this is wrong, that is wrong, this is wrong. That is. They don't want to hear that. Yeah, so I think, number one, it's, it's about your approach, right? It's about you coming in and saying, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, I found this, but it's, it's fixable, you know, or it's not fixable. Maybe you need to not, not buy this house. But it's just a lot of joy that I have in dealing with people. Well, can I tell you that when I first met you, I felt, and saw the joy in you and and that it was real and authentic it was something special about you and I knew that oh oh, wow thank you yeah for sure I felt the same way about you yeah good people know good people or good people yeah 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 so true but thank you for saying that yeah for sure and I mean it because the the vibe was there for sure you know just for everyone to know we were um, celebrating a mutual friend's birthday and there was a like a brunch at a brunch and that mm-hmm. was the first time I met you it was yep. um, I do appreciate that I mean and, and I get a lot of good feedback you know because I just try to be real and try to be genuine and try to be relatable you know but throw in you know the professionalism and the knowledge you got to have that in order to be in the industry but you have to be somebody who cares you don't care to you know, you know there's a certain industry that people don't belong in if they don't care. Right. You know, and like with you, you should not be a nurse if you don't genuinely care about people. Exactly. Because you know? it won't work. And not only it that, won't. when people are sick, and I can not necessarily speak from a nursing standpoint, but from a patient standpoint, because, you know, myself, I have um, experienced some health issues throughout my life. You know, you're very perceptive of the energy of the person that's taking care of you and you're sick that way. So absolutely, absolutely must, must, must have the right energy to do this. You know, So true. Yeah. I can't begin to tell you how many nurses came in my room and I'm like, uh-uh. You can feel <laughs> the energy. Go back out. Just right. back out. <laughs> you can feel the energy when they walk in the room. So for me, and when you're trying to heal, you know what I mean. You're not trying to be feeling somebody off energy. Exactly. You're trying to heal and recover. Exactly. So for me, I always, you know, keep in mind, you know, how I felt when I was laying in that bed, and and what I wanted people to approach me, what manner I wanted them to approach me, and so. That's what I try to give my patients when I take care of them. Definitely. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Seriously. Because well, it's not always been that way. I do appreciate that. Yeah. For sure. All right. So tell us about your home inspection business, the business of it. So what is the name of it? You know, uh, where can people reach you? 
how do people get in touch with you if they want to seek you out to do their home inspection? Okay, sure. So for anyone who doesn't know, a home inspection um, deals with determining the condition of a property, um, residential property, so home inspection. Typically, we do home inspections whenever someone is purchasing a home after the offer that you place on the home is accepted, and typically the home inspection is the next step. So I do home inspections in southeastern, all of southeastern Pennsylvania, um, Bucks, Chester, Delaware, Montgomery, and Philadelphia counties. The name of the company is Arising Home Inspection. And if I can tell you just a little bit, I don't know if I can even put it into words how I came up with this name. So when I was really, really sick, I would, I would just do a whole bunch of reading. It wasn't always about health stuff. Like sometimes I just didn't want to watch TV. TV kind of bored me after a while. So I would just do a bunch of reading. And I became enamored with the phoenix, the mythological creature, the phoenix. Yeah. Like how the phoenix, you know, rises from the ashes, you know, like a rebirth. And I always kind of made it like my spirit animal because it was like, I know I'm going to rise back up one day. Like, I know I'm going to have a rebirth one day. And I don't know why I gravitated to the Phoenix. I just did, like, for so many years. Like, I even wanted to name my firstborn child Phoenix. Like, it got that serious. (laughs) (laughs) When I was thinking about the name for my company, um, a mentor, uh, well, I guess, can I call it a mentor? Just just a person who's in my life um, who... Um, really, really encouraged me to start my own company. He just was on me like every day, you know, what have you done? Did you come up with a name? Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you gone down to L&I, get your license? Like he was on me. And so um, he said, you need to come up with an A name for your company. He said, because, you know, basically some people still use the yellow pages, believe it or not. So you want to be the one that can show up kind of close to the top, come up with an A name. Okay. His company is an A name as well. So I came up with an A name. When I was thinking about a names, I also kind of wanted to tie in something biblical. Okay. And so I started looking for a names or a words, excuse me, in the Bible. And you, you can Google anything nowadays. I just, I just Googled just that, a words in the Bible. And I was scrolling through, scrolling through. And as I'm scrolling through, I was talking to my best friend. And I was, I was talking to her on the phone. And I saw this word arising I immediately pictured the phoenix and I knew that that was the name I like I knew right then and there that that was the name of the company and then my, my name is Ava which means bird you know so a bird flies takes flight you know and birds don't fly downward they fly up so that's it right. just all seemed to fit you know so arising home inspection that's the name of the company yeah been in I've been in business now for myself since February 2018 because I've been doing it for almost 13 years, but, but under different entities and different companies, completely my own company now. My father and I, we work together. Um, he started with me in, in April of last year, and we are together every day. We're well, six days a week. We're off on Sundays, but six days a week we are together. You can check me out uh, on our website, www.arisinghomeinspection. That's A-R-I-S-I-N-G, homeinspection, no S, dot com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram under the same Arising Home Inspection. And uh, you can order inspections online. You can call me if you have inspection questions. Because, I mean, a lot of people, I do uh, quite a few home buyer seminars. I do one from Mountain Area USA right there at Germantown and Salina. I'm also, I work directly with affordable housing counseling centers. 
you know, people sometimes just have questions about the process. They might not even be ready, you know, yet to put an offer in on a house. But if you have questions, you can feel free to reach out and I'll be happy to answer questions that you might have about the process. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome story. Awesome background story. And, Thank you. you know, I love, you know, how you came up with the name. I love everything about it. And most importantly, I love that you're working with your father. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. I do too. What a blessing. And you know, sometimes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say like, it, it, sometimes I, I still like, even in this industry, I sometimes still get, what's the word I'm looking for? Sometimes I still have, like we, we talked earlier about like body issues and stuff like that. Yeah. But sometimes even still like having a colostomy is like, oh. I think somebody could see it. I think this, I think that, I think the other. But it's like when I'm at work, I just, I'm like, I totally don't even think about it. I'm just like in a zone. You know what I mean? But it's a a reality, but I I just live with it and keep it moving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Ava. I really appreciate your participation in this. And definitely all of your contact information will be posted on social media platforms where I can post it as well as it'll be on my website once the episode airs okay perfect thank you so much i appreciate Um, it okay you're listening to lady t speaks podcast